This episode of the show is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choosing by going to audibletrial.com slash misspots. Choose from over 180,000 different titles, such as Chris Jericho's latest book, No is a Four-Letter Word. It's even narrated by the man himself. Audiobooks are perfect for the person on the move. Believe me, they're great. Maybe you want a mystery novel or a biography of someone you love. Audible has it all. Plus, it's free to try. If you don't like it, which would be weird, cancel and keep your free audiobook that you downloaded forever. Go try it now at audibletrial.com slash misspots. Audible. Listening is the new reading. You know, Mike, I am not a big fan of Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy being the tag team champions. It's really too bad that this new faction doesn't have a tag team in it that used to be NXT tag team champions and were hyped to the moon with tons of vignettes before they returned last year. Kevin, I will continue to search for such team on this week's Miss Spots podcast. Uh, I, I did that research. It was very brief. Okay. And it's AOP. Oh, AOP. I, yes. I forgot all about them. Yes, as did WWE. <laughs> what a piece of crap. Uh, I, I, I also feel like WWE definitely wanted this faction's team name to have Top Knot involved in it. But then Akam was like, hey, I, I can't do that. Uh, with my hair so they're like all right fine we won't do it i still think they're going with shield 2020 but that's just me (laughs) i i think that's a pretty formidable one as well yeah Um, mike i'm willing just to start talking about this because i have problems okay i'll probably agree Uh, (laughs) you know seth rollins as a heel is is working pretty well for me. I, I, we talked yeah. at length about Buddy Murphy joining this faction and how how it was done masterfully the week before. So I'm I'm all happy about this. My big issue here: a couple weeks ago, we had Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens kind of form a team here to challenge this group, and we had someone like Rey Mysterio who was. I was just going to say, remember when Rey Mysterio was involved with this, and we were like. This might work. This might work. Yeah, this is the exact kind of thing where you can have a pairing of guys that, yes, they're strange bedfellows, but it works in the context of the storytelling because everything's kind of set up for it to to play out. And ever since then, we've just gotten worse and worse every week because that focus that's on KO and on Samoa Joe has waned. And what looked like it would be a big star-making uh thing for them for the baby faces uh, looks to be completely undone 
We're now getting, obviously, teases for them in the Royal Rumble. The problem here is that we have the Royal Rumble, and what we really should have, instead of having these guys all in a Royal Rumble match, is having them having a blow-off to their feud, and this is kind of the perfect situation to do something like a War Games, mm-hmm. maybe, in, a, in yeah. a month or so. This is the kind of thing that we could get a really interesting uh, gimmick uh, tag match and really make Joe and KO, who were really, really over when this whole thing started, who have significantly cooled. And they have significantly cooled because they've done essentially the same thing every week. They then introduced Big Show for unknown reasons that did nothing for this storyline. And then they introduced the Viking Raiders. For, for unknown, unknown reasons. reasons. Because they have no reason to ha- to have any beef with these people. And so it's like it's like three degrees now we've separated from the main crux of the storyline. Yes, we still have Seth Rollins being the Monday Night Messiah and, and this faction. But you need to have a, uh, what makes a great heel team and faction is having someone great to go up against them. Right. Yeah. It's Devon Eric's and the Freebirds. Right. It's the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. This is what makes great factions and great teams or great rivalries. And what you've essentially done is really kind of neutered KO and uh, Samoa Joe. You've then thrown in the tag champs. And by the way, I am not a big fan at this point of the Vikings. Okay. They no, uh, no I, as they're, uh, as they're, they're fucking not as performers, right? No, no, they're they're fine in ring workers. I I hate their names. I hate their presentation. I I just have a hard time getting. I, I I'm still I'm still in the hangover period of the Viking experience, <laughs> which is the name of their. That is one of the move. longest hangovers in history, it, and it, it may never it may never end. That's unfortunate. But the Vikings at least are. They're at least a tag team. They're a good tag mm-hmm. team, and if they keep working and getting into actual feuds that matter, it, I'll get over this hangover, and and it will help the 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 raw tag team division, which is just garbage. And yet again, they pull the trigger on a title change with a not tag team thrown together from the week before, right before the Royal Rumble. It means nothing. They are props. They are tag team title props. And it is so such a, a shame that the WWE refuses to book champions like champions. They refuse to make them mean anything. And by doing that, they mean nothing. These titles on Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins mean nothing. They are a prop for whatever they're choosing to go forward with. Good for Buddy Murphy. He is a ex-tag team uh, champion in NXT. Seth Rollins has competed in tons of tag team matches. I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to work well together, but they've just been thrown in together, and the Viking Raiders are a seasoned tag team. I They shouldn't be winning. They shouldn't be in this position. There was no reason to put them in this position. It's hot-shotting it for the sake of hot-shotting it. We saw this with Dean and Seth a year or so ago they just ha- they cannot figure out tag team wrestling to save their lives in the WWE and it continues to turn me off of the product i i'm i'm going to give you a bit of disheartening information here ever since christmas of 2017 we've had a number 
of thrown-together tag teams becoming tag team champions. Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins. Braun Strowman and Nicholas. Remember that one? I do. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who became kind of a, a, a faction. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Uh, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. And now Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Seth Rollins is a multiple offender on this, so as is uh, Robert Roode. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's just so bad for this division. I understand why the revival ha- is so if they want out as bad as it appears that they do, and they've because, had the titles twice in, during that time too. <laughs> yeah, because it just it doesn't matter. They they refuse to book tag team wrestlers like they matter and like they mean anything, and then they wonder why they don't get over, and then they're mad that it doesn't get over, and then they say that no one cares about tag team wrestling. You're the one killing your tag team division. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a, I was listening to Jim Cornette on some of the, you know, many, I'm many sorry rant. that you had to listen to that. <laughs> so one of the very, very, many, many rant videos. And it, it's always a mixed bag with me because I, Jim Cornette is such an angry, angry person. And so often just, just attacks and attacks and attacks what I would imagine to be talented individuals. But he also is such an old school and such a such a great mind for the wrestling business. So it's it's almost like it's 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 hard to listen to, but at the same time, it's a guilty pleasure. And he mentioned something to the effect of being in WCW and being a part of the booking committee and saying something to the effect of we can get you ratings and we can make you money, but we have to start now. It's going to be six months till it happens. And if you're willing to wait six months and do it right, we'll we'll fill the houses and we'll get us paid. And whoever was in charge at the time, probably Jim Hurd or something, said, you know, that's not acceptable because this guy says he can he can fill the house next week. The WWE has no patience to build the tag team division and make money down the road because they just see what's in front of them immediately. They have no long-term vision. They have no long-term plan in the way that AEW starting from scratch has had to do by necessity uh, to do this in their tag division. And for a lot of their feuds uh, kind of around that we're seeing seeds planted that I think they're going to bear fruit six, seven, eight months down the road. It would do the WWE well to look at their ta- championships, look at their the people who they think are going to be there, and build a core around these people and set things up six months in advance. And it will, it might hurt your TV product uh, currently. I can't see how because it's abysmal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in fact, I, I do want to mention this. Thank you, Raw, for ending an hour early this week. I mean, I know they didn't, but they did for me. Because they booked nothing in the last hour of Raw that was watchable. So I can't see it getting worse. But it would be very, very helpful for them to take some some long-term planning on this and actually actually build some stars <laughs> and and make something matter in their promotion because just nothing does. We're we're in Royal Rumble season, we're in WrestleMania season. And nothing seems to matter. No one is over enough to win the Royal Rumble. No one seems like it would make sense to fight Brock Lesnar. No one wants to see Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so much wrong with this picture. 
that it's it's almost infuriating. So it's probably been about a minute and a half since you said uh, Raw ended early, an hour early, but not really because there was nothing in that last hour that mattered. I've been sitting here thinking, like, what happened in the last hour of Raw? Honestly, like, I'm not trying to make a joke for our, our podcast. I do not remember what happened in the last hour of Raw. We had the Street Profits being unwatchable and uninteresting and un- un- unentertaining. Oh, yes, the SNL bit. Yeah. We had Eric Rowan doing nothing and okay. continuing to not intrigue or interest the crowd or the people at home in any way, shape, or form. Business as usual. Right. We had Bob Lash and Rusev doing the things that they've been doing terribly I for now months remember and months that. and months. Yeah. And Bob Lash won. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the mixed tag match. That was yeah. the main event, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Fucking A. Yeah. So, and that's that's basically what we had for the last hour of Raw, which, once again, unwatchable stuff. I mean, I, I did go back, and I, I watched Raw on Tuesday, so I fast-forwarded through. I, I peeked in on the Street Profit segment to make sure that it was terrible. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> it was. Uh, unfunny, poorly written garbage. Uh, I, I peeked in on Eric Rowan continuing to be bitten by nothing in a cage. It continues to be uninteresting. And I fast-forwarded completely through Bob Lash and Rusev because I made a, a a pledge to myself that I'm keeping, that I will never watch a segment that these people are involved in because of how poor and ignorant the entire thing is. So that that was the, at the last hour of Raw. The tag team match we've kind of discussed now, beaten to death, I, I, I believe. Uh, I don't think anything was... Uh, progressed by having Becky fight Kari Sane. No. I don't think this made helped or progressed the storyline, made it any better, more intriguing uh, for their match coming up on Sunday. And I am perplexed as to how Asuka could sit on the top rope for an entire match. Most of the time, if a heel manager or someone jumps up on the apron, the referee is like, get down from the apron. You're not involved in this match. That's not a, that's not allowed. Yeah. But Asuka can sit on the ring post for however long. I just, when, when someone suggests this, someone should, someone else should look at them and say, are you an idiot? Have you ever watched professional wrestling before? Stop it. Don't come back, uh, but the, apparently they don't. They don't. They don't operate that way. I would have used a few more curse words in there, but mm-hmm. I, I like what you're saying, uh, or at least implying that someone should have said. Yeah, this. Uh, for, first, first note is I feel like Liv Morgan's uh, mannerisms are still the old Liv Morgan from the Riot Squad. She just has slightly different gear. When we were getting like these promos of like a new Liv Morgan, do you remember those? This is a classic example of they started these vignettes with her and they had no idea where they were going. No. And then somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be the best TV ever if we started a faux lesbian angle with Liz, Liv Morgan and uh, Lana? And That's you know, been really not talked about since then. But then why else is she out there? 
The, the, what is the purpose of any of this? I know. And the but, fact is, there is no purpose. They yeah. never had a purpose. They never had an idea. And whatever idea they did, they had, they abandoned immediately at the thought of trying to get a couple extra YouTube downloads that will lead to no real money in the end. And I and I think that ultimately this just all leads to fuck Rusev and like I I I think that he is the one like despite that Lana's acting whether or not on purpose or not has been cringeworthy atrocious. You got Bob Lash in this, who is a computer generated image. We've mm-hmm. done we've gone over that many we've times done the before. Yeah. Rusev is a likable human being who has so much behind him and and his wife left him for another guy. Like this is the guy who everyone should be able to back and he has lost now 3 times to Bob Lash. The, like do you not know how to build a sympathetic baby face anymore? Well, they they haven't known how to do that for years, Mike. They, yeah. they there's no plan here. They don't have any plans to make Rusev a, an actual over upper mid card guy. They've never had any plans for that. This is just stuff they do. This is yeah. just stuff they do. Yeah, it because fills TV time until next week when they can run around with their hairs on fire and figure out what to do this week because they had they had no foresight on what they booked the week before. Yeah, because there's really only five people who they want to actually make anymore and everything else all the other hundreds of people that they have on their roster are just to fill time just to have slightly like slightly exposed storylines your filler and and there's no and there's no real storylines i mean let's be honest with ourselves here there's no real storyline with drew mcintyre and randy orton yes they both want to win the royal rumble but neither one of them are going to uh, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm relatively intrigued by by Drew McIntyre being a tweener or a babyface, but I'll be honest with you. If I never hear the term out of nowhere ever again, it will be too soon. I am <laughs> that so, did get used a lot, yeah. I do not understand why people pop for Randy Orton at his RKO. It is... Uh, I, I'm sick of him saying the most dangerous three letters in sports entertainment. I am so freaking sick of of the RKO. Is I, is he into nostalgia now? Like it like has he moved over into that nostalgia bracket? Yeah, he's a, he's a nostalgia act for the most part. Listen, the guy is built like a Greek god. He yeah. is a very good professional wrestler and I he just hasn't been booked at an angle worth a damn in years. And I, he, if if there's any situation where a uh, a move is over <laughs> and a guy's not that interesting, it's 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 Randy Orton. I I can if Randy Orton were to win at WrestleMania, and this is the whole tease is you know Randy Orton should be a favorite to win this. He's a he's a legendary character, multiple time world champion, RKO out of nowhere. No, there, there's fewer worse decisions in the company you could make than to make Randy Orton the the winner of the Royal Rumble. I just can't think of a. Uh, there's not many people that's interesting. Uh, I, I mean, Drew McIntyre has the entire. Kurt Hawkins would be more him. interesting. 
<laughs> well, it'd certainly be more interesting. It probably wouldn't be a good, a good option, but it would be more interesting. There, there's just, just using a, the words you used. That's that's very very true. Yeah, I just I, I cannot I cannot get behind that character, and uh, it was a predictable match with a predictable outcome with a non finish. The Brock segment was just a Brock segment, like very many others. He stopped short, Paul Heyman, of giving us an actual reason why why. Uh, Brock Lesnar was actually entering the Royal Rumble. He he came so close, I felt like, and then so so very very far away. Uh, Ricochet, no, just no. None of, none of that works. Ricochet standing up to Brock Lesnar makes no sense. Um, his his shirt, by the way, does say "Superheroes can be real" or "Superheroes are real." Burn that shirt. Stop saying that. I, I did not like this episode of all, Mike. <laughs> I just, I just did not. I didn't either. I sat through the whole thing as well, and uh, I, 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 I'm just enamored by what it is that we're like. I, I feel like usually going into Royal Rumble, we have a general idea about who we think is going to win, and it's probably a good thing when you don't because that makes it more interesting but it's not like we have a whole lot of hot hands going into this that are eating us up to like oh the, the if you would have asked us maybe a month and a half ago drew mcintyre sounded like a good idea but i've hated his booking since then i know we've disagreed on some things here but this face turn tweener turn whatever you want to call it I don't like what they're doing with Drew McIntyre here. This playing to the crowd shit that I'm seeing from him does not make me happy. It just makes him look like any other guy. And Drew McIntyre is anything but any other guy. So I don't dig that. Yeah, I I understand where you're coming from with that, Mike. You know, we've we've talked about Raw for a good amount of time. The one thing we have not talked about, and I think we should talk about it and move on because we've got a few other things to cover on this episode, is the ladder match with Andrade and Ray. I have yeah. uh, given my opinion on everything in a very negative and straightforward light without hearing your opinions first. You tell me what you thought about this match. I thought it was a little reckless. There were some... There were some spots in this match that I thought, you and you know, if they would have been more slick, I might have a different tone to it. But there were some sloppy things here that came across as very reckless that, that were unnecessary in this match. Spots um, that just throughout the match that didn't seem... And this is weird because it, I feel like it's been six-ish months since the first time that we saw these two fight in, on SmackDown. And their first couple matches, I was like, damn, these two can go uh, uh, with one another. And this match, it seemed sloppy. It seemed dangerous at points that a couple of the guy, like a couple of the spots, uh, someone could have gotten hurt on really bad. And, and I get that they were probably trying to come up with something interesting unique creative but i thought unnecessary they already have great chemistry they didn't need to raise the bar that much 
um, from what they're they're used to with one another. Um, I like that Andrade kept the title, but yeah, there were some things that bothered me in the match. I just didn't find this was just one contrived spot after another one. They they worked their asses off. They they put their bodies on the line, but it was just it's ladder matches are just spot fests. And yeah. not in not even in that kind of really charming way that some spots fest can be. The the way they set ladders up that give no purpose other than people going through them is 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 it's really unwatchable. And the the last bit of that match where Ray was up and could grab the title, and instead of grabbing the title, grabbed onto that hanger thing that the title's on. Oh yeah. Way yeah, before yeah. Uh, Andrade even got over there to pull the ladder out. Yes, I know they have to do that because they have to be safe, but how about just not doing it? Yeah. How about not making this so unbelievable and so ludicrous that Rey Mysterio, one of the great veterans of this company, wouldn't just flip the, the, the buckles on that strap and take the title down, but would instead go grab onto it so he can hang there for a minute. It, I didn't find this to be uh, very interesting. It was contrived from spot to spot and had a hard time keeping my attention. Look, we are two people who are willing to suspend our disbelief week in and week out to watch synchronized fighting. And I think as is the majority of their their viewership and to do something like that and expect us to like suspend our disbelief like that, that spot Ray Mysterio is not the first one to do it. Nothing against Ray Mysterio. He's also not going to be the last one to do that spot. Like, like you said, you just don't have to do it. If you want to get us like completely invested, that spot can just be taken out. And we can get way more invested into something else. Like, it just shows or shines a light on the, hey, this has been choreographed portion of the show. Come on. That's just, like, that's what I think when I see that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 almost feel like Ray and Andrade's matches over the course of time have gotten mildly worse. They're not terrible, but those first couple matches on SmackDown last year were insanely good. And and this, and just adding in the the stipulation I, I thought was unnecessary. They took some, some bumps that like even my fiance, she saw some of them and she was like, Oh, like that, like that could have gone very wrong if it were just a split second off. And I didn't think that some of that stuff needed to be done for these two to put on a really good ladder match. Um, but I guess that's it for raw. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with no longer speaking of it. All right. Now, I'd like to speak about AEW Dynamite because I really enjoyed this episode of Dynamite. And it, oh, 
And I, I'd like to say that it really began with, I like, I love their constant change in set design because now we had a, a, a show on a boat and it just looks so cool to me. I, I love this. And I know this is a, this is part of just their, their company being new and having to do new and interesting things. They, we went to an AAW uh, dynamite, uh, show last week and the arena was not sold out right they're not no. they're not packing them in in all the arenas so they're able to do honestly some of the stuff that wcw was doing when they weren't selling out uh, and they're putting uh, you know a bunch of people uh, once again if they could fill an arena every single week they would do it but in this situation it does allow them to look different to change up the presentation just being outside and the wind blowing and the the commentary being able to say listen the 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 ringside area is smaller how are these some of these high flyers going to use the ring differently all that stuff i just eat that up man it is so cool to hear the commentators have to talk about those things about the change of pace i'm a guy who loves professional uh, baseball because i like that the parks aren't all the same and that their strategy yeah. is different for a team going into a, a smaller stadium versus a bigger stadium and i love this aspect of professional wrestling so yeah the the setting the commentary, the way they utilize this to make the show more intriguing and more interesting was all brilliant. And did you enjoy the matches? Because I, I feel like I really enjoyed the matches that we were given on this show, too. There were some very good matches here. I, I thought that the women's match was kind of the low light of the of the show, unfortunately. And then uh, the promo afterwards was i mean it was wwe worthy uh, as far yeah. as its cringe worthiness but starting off the night with the really to me shocking tag title change yeah i did not see uh, page and omega winning this match and taking the championships from the first ever aew tag champs and yes they've had a decent reign with them i i thought this was going to go on uh, part of me is a little bit upset that they made this change on an episode of Dynamite, and the fact that yes, uh, Paige and Omega have tagged together a lot recently. Yes, they did win a number one contenders match, so we are not in Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy territory here. Correct, right? Yeah, uh, we are not. These are also guys that are part of, have been part of the elite, a faction for a long period of time. This is the way, if you're going to have two main singles competitors win titles, this is how you do it. WWE, take note. Uh, I am a little disappointed because I thought SCU is one of the more over acts, and I I, I just thought we'd get more build-up to this. So really great feud with uh, Santana and Ortiz or the Lucha Brothers. That being said, them winning the championships does continue this slow-burn storyline with Omega and with Paige and I'm really really digging it and the fact that they were not on the same page when uh Paige hit Omega with the buckshot mm -hmm. lariat and you thought that was going to be the end of the match but it wasn't and they recovered to win the match that was something I wasn't expecting so they subverted my expectations, put on a really, really good match, made me pop for it and go, wow, I can't freaking believe that. That was exciting. I was excited to see that title change, unlike the one on Raw. 
it was almost a perfect like mirror image of what this is supposed to look like when you do a shock title change. So I'm in. Uh, I want to see what happens next. I want to continue to see the slow burn uh, heel turn for Adam Page. I will say one thing before I will actually let you talk about this, Mike. Okay. Is the promo afterwards with the Young Bucks and Omega and Tony Schiavone cutting off Page. I think we shouldn't have seen that this week. I think we should have seen them completely on the same page completely kind of kumbaya we made this thing work because real relationships have these ebbs and flows and we know all the stuff uh, kind of going underneath the surface we don't need to see it every single week this would have been a good week to not see it and they could have done the exact same thing in a promo segment the, the next week i think it would have been great it would have been a good reason to get them on tv without having them fight and be in a match i think that could have been a good way to do that but I, okay but the way they did that gives Adam Page more license to not be in the wrong for feeling overlooked and underappreciated because the rest of the elite kind of, you know, pushed him to the side, didn't want to hear what he had to say as much. So it does give him more of that justification. So now I've said all this because I was interested and I'm excited about this angle. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, So uh, to talk about the match first, uh, there's one thing before even the match started that was a nice little nod into the storytelling, and that I think was I think it was Jim Ross who said uh, that uh, SCU comes out together. Kenny Omega and Adam Page yep. do not, mm-hmm. and that means that SCU is more on the same page with one another. Um, I feel like there can be a whole lot of puns added in when you say on the same page. Uh, through this and I really like that because I felt like that was playing into the story some more then yeah like you said the the inadvertent buckshot lariat to Omega the fact that they got over that and worked together still and won the tag titles great now the promo afterwards I will agree with you that it maybe didn't need to be this week I liked what the promo was because I felt like it still continued that they could have done the same exact promo the following week, like minus the celebration aspect of it, but like have Tony Giovanni interviewing the two of them in the, the bucks come in and, and uh, take over things while page gets cut off. An interesting thing that I was thinking about through all of this was what if, big what if, we are being played so much that Hangman's going to be the one who turns? What if it's Kenny who turns? That we've been built up so much that Hangman's the one who has the, fr- the legitimate frustrations and then Kenny turns on him. It, it, that could be a really great way to subvert our expectations. Yeah. Like either way, like if you, if you, if you've been building this up to hangman turning, they're doing a a very good slow burn on it. And I appreciate that. If they do it with Kenny turning, I think that's a great swerve to it. Yeah. Um, and, And either way, like 
not to say that that's exactly what they're going to do, but both of those I'd be super stoked about. So right now you have me hook, line, and sinker on this feud. I mean, you have for a few weeks now, but this this is probably the most intriguing thing going on on AEW. I agree. Uh, there's other intriguing things going on for sure. The there MJF yes. and Cody thing, but this is definitely there. Yes, and MJF, as as you mentioned, like we had we had actual face to face interactions with him and Cody this week, um, and we got to see them uh, talk down one another a little bit. Well, more MJF talking down Cody, uh, and then. A little bit of, uh, you know, WCW uh, shtick here going back to the old uh, Panama City Beach uh, spring break nitro tapings with the Bucks getting the upper hand on MJF and throwing him into the pool. I I thought it was fun for what it was. I I thought it was a kind of throwback to that. Yeah, I enjoyed all that. I think this was all done really, really well. We didn't. It was an extended segment after MJF got the win there. It continued the Joey Janela storyline. It continued the Cody storyline. It packed a lot of information in a small area. And yeah, having the Bucks come out, of course, you know, Cody can't touch them, but he's got boys. He's got backups. So I, I think this really, really worked. Yeah. Um, I am going to just uh, very quickly because I've, was just doing some research here. You know, Brick Baker is a dentist. She may be a dentist, but she is not a very good promo. She's not a wordsmith. She is not. I. This was not a very good match. I I continue to be underwhelmed by by Britt Baker in general. She has had a couple good showings, no doubt. I really like Jim Ross. He kind of covered for them. They had a a back-and-forth kind of a counter-for-counter thing where uh, Priscilla Kelly, Priscilla Kelly was her name, uh, threw a a clothesline that was not intended to hit her, uh, Britt Baker. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, and, and Jim Ross doing his job as a commentator said, you know, she kind of whiffed on that, but you know, she's not, she's kind of been knocked loopy. Like she's not seeing things right. Like he's trying to cover for yeah. kind of poor in-ring work. So God bless you, Jim Ross. This was not a great match. The idea of Britt Baker turning heel is the right thing to do. She's not over. She is, is not a very good character. And I think that a heel turn will do her really well. The function of this, the writing, the 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 actual the actual promo, I've never heard a promo done in a more monotone voice, more stilted, more seemingly scripted. It may not have been. Maybe that's the problem. It wasn't scripted at all, and she was going off the top of her head and doesn't have the ability to cut a good promo. The talking about how she looks better than everybody else, we don't need that she can just it, it it was it was it was cliched and it was boring and it was drab and it was lifeless it, the only good thing about this promo is that jim ross cut the promo <laughs> cut it off <laughs> and went to commercial because we're not going to hear her run down shivani anymore that was actually pretty cool i, I actually like that production aspect of it but that was the only thing about this entire segment that I can count as like an up for this. 
I felt like she tried to make like because the whole Britt Baker is a dentist thing has become kind of a meme and I felt like she tried to capitalize on that by saying like hey and you know I'm a dentist like uh, you you just tried to make this a thing now it's no longer funny when you say it and then yeah it just got cringy as hell after that and yes thank you JR for doing what you needed to do also i want a gif of uh tony Schiavone mouthing what the fuck when brit says that he uh was working at starbucks there was it wasn't creative there was nothing about this that hit in any way no now i i felt like you, you had the six man of uh, Jurassic Express in the inner circle, which was just a showcase type of thing. You have a little bit of storyline there with, with Jericho and Jungle Boy. But I, I thought that this was a fine match for a six man match. And I, I was texting you during this. I love Ortiz so much. He might be one of my favorite wrestlers right now. He's he's a great worker, but I love his charisma. I love Tiger style. I love he's a little bit comedic from a heel perspective. He oversells some things. He just makes me smile so much. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'll tell you one thing, and I'll play devil's advocate. I don't think he's supposed to make you smile, right? Probably he's a heel. not. He's supposed no, to. He he's supposed heel. to make you hate him. So there's that, and I, I want to make sure that we're, I'm being fair in it. But no, I, I do find them entertaining. I find that tag team entertaining and, and, and very good. Uh, the kind of team that I thought maybe should be the people who de- to dethrone SCU, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, this was fun. Uh, this, was, this was a feature match that had some fun spots that did have enough storyline for why it was happening to justify its place. And and that's what I'll, I'll and I'm not going to say the same thing for the match that's coming up next week, which is Private Party and uh, Darby, Darby Allen. Allen fighting the same guys. I'm not a fan of that. What that that doesn't seem to be like a very good move or or have a lot of place in what's going on right now in the product. And it's the the typical overbooking of tag team matches that aren't really necessary. But as far as this week goes, it was pretty fun. Listen, uh, does uh, Luchasaurus look like a fucking dope for being goaded by Jake Hager and uh, going outside the ring, abandoning his tag team partners and allowing for the the loss? Yeah, looks like an idiot. That's a dumb move from a babyface, and it seems like something that WWE would do. But I, I guess it works. I, I don't know. That 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 bothered bothered me mildly. Yeah, but you know, like I'm back and forth on this because Jericho would want to say like he's not a real dinosaur, but he wants to think that you, <laughs> he wants you to think that he's a real dinosaur, and you're like, eh, that's something a dinosaur would do. Yeah, Get too is, preoccupied with other things. It is definitely something a dinosaur would do. <laughs> but then. Uh, Am I missing anything before the main event? Because 
with uh, uh, Packin and Moxley. I did not take any kind of notes for this. So, oh, the MJF segment that we talked about. Yeah. So, the the Pack and Moxley match with I love Jericho on on commentary for this. Did you? Yeah, he did a good job. He had a couple times where he kind of wanted to start something. <laughs> talking about <laughs> at one point he started talking about Pack's core. And how it, and then he just kind of trailed off, and it was yeah. like he just wanted to talk about Pac's core, <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, Jericho's great. He he did a good job of. He wasn't really in character as much for this. He he seemed like he was putting over both guys, which yeah. I I was expecting him to run them both down. But that's that's kind of good because he's going to have to fight one of these guys. And if you if you put a, someone down as a nobody and you beat them, you've just beaten a nobody. So I, I do remember that, and I, I think about that often. So I, I did enjoy this aspect of it. I think this was a match that started with in the right gear, kind of low, that ramped up in the end. They played off the Moxley eye situation really, really well. I mm-hmm. think that they did that in a masterful way. And I think there was a unbelievable finish to this. The right guy won. We want to see the person conquer the person that wronged them. So this is this was a right end. Was it a great match? Could it have been a better match? Yes. I Unfortunately, I have to say this about John Moxley. Oftentimes, I say about John Moxley matches, it could have been a better match. I, I don't I don't find yeah. him to be one of the upper echelon workers in the business. Uh, he's very charismatic. I like watching him. I'm excited to see him fight Chris Jericho for the the championship. But he's not a guy like I I, I don't look at him as as Omega or Pac or some of the other guys in the in the company that I'm like oh I'm transfixed every time they go in the ring and want to see them work. It's really angle based. It's really heavily on character and charisma, and not as much on the in ring work. Yeah, uh, I, I I can see what you mean there. Um, he he should his top rope stuff. He shouldn't go to the top rope. Um, I'll say that. But uh, there was what was the the oh yeah. So the name of his finisher, paradigm shift. And what is the paradigm shift came into thought to me because twice during this match, he hit double arm DDTs that they just called and Excalibur included just called a DDT. But it wasn't until he did that elevated, like pick him up off of the, the mat, like legs over the head, uh, spike that he called paradigm shift. Like for a second there, I was like, have they abandoned the name paradigm shift? But in the middle of the match, he hit paradigm shift and they just called it a DDT. And then right before the finish, he hit it like uh, when he was like all kind of woozy. Oh yeah. And they just called it a DDT. And then he did that elevated, like the imp- what would be an implant DDT, uh, and that's when Excalibur called it the the paradigm shift. I I I, I didn't get that. That was kind of weird to me. And maybe I'm I'm nitpicking and I'm thinking too much into what the actual move is versus what it's being called. And maybe by like the protection of a finishing move because that 
original double arm DDT, the first one was kicked out of by Pack, and I, like I don't I don't know. Am I am I crazy here? I think you're looking at this a little bit too much. I I do think that they have. I think this is not a new thing this week. I feel like this is something that has kind of shifted over the last month or so. Pun but intended. I also could be missing something here. I, I don't mind it as much. Jim Ross said this is his version of a DDT uh, during the, the first version of the double arm DDT. That, oh, uh, I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah, that that uh, I almost called him Ambrose again, that Moxley did. So, yeah, listen, <laughs> John Moxley uh, is a guy who casually renames his moves to other things on a regular basis. We saw it with Dirty Deeds. It was one thing, and then one day it was just another. I think we mentioned that last week on the podcast. And now the paradigm shift was one thing, and now it's just another uh, very, very similar move. It doesn't bother me so much. If they're if they're looking for this, it's it's a more impressive move uh, the the what they're now calling the paradigm oh, yeah. shift with the elevated a, like lift them up uh, implant yeah yeah so yeah I'm I'm okay with it yeah and I think this is definitely the 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 premier match that we were looking for it it was the result that we were expecting but I mean there were some some near falls there for for pack that were tight and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this match. I enjoyed this show, this episode of uh, uh, Dynamite. Yeah, I really liked the presentation. I thought the, the wrestling was solid uh, all around. I thought some of the... You know, it's one of those things where the, the character pieces with MJF, they just delivered exactly what you would expect them to do, and they didn't do more, they didn't do less. And that's a really good thing. For fans like us that have a lot of nostalgia and have seen things before, like you said, sometimes you can't, re- you can't reinvent the wheel every week. This just really, they, they tick the boxes. They continue to tick the boxes so that when we get to the next pay-per-view, we're going to be really, really excited for all the matches on it. And I'm okay with that. You don't have to yeah. put on the best show in the world every single week. You just have to continue to kind of plot ahead, do the right thing, continue to progress your storyline week to week, and uh, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna follow along with you. Yeah. All right. So, Royal Rumble is this weekend on pay per view. The start of the WrestleMania season, the sign pointing season. We're going to get our first two official sign points uh, during this pay-per-view. How exciting. How exciting. So it's time to make our first predictions of the new year. And uh, this card is uh, like to anyone who is brand new to the show. We don't watch SmackDown. Yeah, we just don't watch it. Yeah. It's on Friday. We have things to do. Well, not only is it on Friday and we have things to do, but we have things to do on Saturday, and yeah. we have things to do on Sunday for the most yeah. part, and then we have Raw on Monday, mm-hmm. and you know, listen, we just don't have time to watch the amount of uh, professional wrestling that they put out there. And, and sometimes on Tuesday, we have to watch the rest of Monday. <laughs> and then the main thing is, we watched the first couple episodes, they weren't very good, so we stopped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Raw is in danger of that, too. But we'll, that, that's a tradition, so we keep it up. 
at least it hasn't changed nights like five times over that, the course of its time. That's true. So, um, so we'll uh, run down this with uh, acknowledgement that we don't really know a whole lot that's going on with the SmackDown feuds, uh, such as Shorty G and Sheamus. Yeah, uh, I do read the the rundowns every single week of what's going on in the show and try to keep abreast of those situations as much as possible. Uh, am I correct that Shorty G is still named Shorty G? You are correct, unfortunately. Okay, well, that's garbage, and I'm going to go with Sheamus. I'm going to go with Sheamus, too, because WWE hates baby faces, <laughs> especially short people that's who true. are baby faces. Um, we also have Roman Reigns against King Corbin in a Falls Count Anywhere match, and I can't think of any other result than Roman Reigns beating King Corbin. Well, you say that, but the last time they fought on a pay-per-view, Roman Reigns lost. Yes, that was last time. This is this time. <laughs> okay. No, I, I'm with you on this. I, I, I got to go with Roman Reigns. I cannot see this this feud continuing on very, very much longer. Uh, yes, we have not watched a lot of this, but I have read this uh, ad nauseum. There just does not seem to be an end in sight for it, unfortunately, but I'm hoping there will be and that Roman will be able to go on to more bigger and better things. I mean, he is also one of the favorites to show up at the Royal Rumble later on in the night. I was just about to say, and the, win it. The, the only reason I could see Roman losing this match is if he wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, which could happen. It could uh, happen, sure. Yeah. It could happen. Uh, right now, the Royal Rumble is such an open... I mean, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but it is such an open field, and there really is not... This is one of those situations where there's no logical person to win it. There really isn't. And a lot of no. times, there's a logical person that could that can win it, and, and that's one of the easy ways to kind of predict it. And it's a good thing and a bad thing, I think, in this situation. But yeah, I'm going to go with Roman. You're going with Roman. I think we're both pretty safe there still considering everything involved. Yeah. Uh, Bailey and Lacey Evans. This is one of those ones where, because we have not watched at all, this is a really hard one to predict. They are high on Lacey Evans for whatever reason. She is a baby face now. I, I don't, I, I did not find her compelling as a heel. And I, I have no idea what her baby face work is looking like at this point, but they are really, really high on her. And, Bailey is just not that interesting. Sasha Banks as her number two is probably regretting coming back to the company because they've done absolutely nothing with her. I'm going to go with Lacey Evans. Oh, uh, I, I'm going to stick with Bailey here. Um, yes, I agree with everything that you said. We know that they've been super high on Lacey and it doesn't seem like that they're giving up on her anytime soon, but I, I, I just, I just don't see it unless I'd like to think that Bailey versus Sasha for mania would be the better, bigger match that they should be building towards. But fuck if I know what they're, what's in their minds, but 
I'll still I'll still stick with Bailey on this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean that's that's a safer bet. I, I I'm just more kind of going out there, going listen. I, I I lost pretty badly last year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make some uh make some bold moves this year just to shake things up. Starting early. Yeah, might as well. Uh, Andrade and Umberto Carrillo for the U.S. title. I mean, they've done a decent job with building this story. Uh, but I I just don't see it in Carrillo as being the title holder, uh, being kind of one of those faces just yet. Uh, so for that, I'm going to go with uh, Andrade. Well, first and foremost, they have no problem switching this title for no reason whatsoever. That's something we that always have true. to keep yeah. in mind. It means nothing to them. So, yes, they could put this on him just like they did with Ricochet a few months back and just switch it back whenever they feel like it will It will do nothing. Oh, the uh, very next night they could. Yeah, So, uh, but I do agree with you. Listen, they've put some real effort into Andrade, and they have a really – they've got a stud, man. I mean, this guy is an excellent worker. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's He's got tons of in-ring charisma. He really should be the person holding this title. He just got out of the field with Rey Mysterio, and even though Zelina is a great mouthpiece for him, yeah, there's just a lot going for him. It, it just it makes sense for him to take care of this title for the next couple months. So I, I will go with Andrade. All right, um, we got here Becky and Oscar for the Raw Women's Title. Becky Lynch has to carry this title into WrestleMania. She was in the main event the year before. She needs to defend this title again. Whether it's in the main event or not, I don't think they have a match big enough unless they bring back Ronda Rousey for this. I don't know if they have a match big enough to do it, but Becky's got to carry that title into WrestleMania. So she exercises her demons and beats Asuka. Uh, Rewind everything that you said, turn it into my voice. That's what I'll go with as well. Because, yeah, Ronda is the only big match that is there. And, I mean, who knows? There's there's rumors that she could be in the, the Rumble. But Asuka's great. Don't get me wrong. But Becky is on that upper echelon for the entire company right now. And uh, that belt needs to stay with her. Yep. Uh the Fiend versus Daniel Bryan in a strap match. Now, this is a gimmick match we haven't seen in WWE in I don't know how long. So I dig that in and of itself. Um, But as for who wins it, look, I, I want to be a fanboy and say Daniel Bryan because... Daniel Bryan's my boy. Like him. Like him a lot. But I don't know if if this is the the spot for dethroning this uh character of sorts. So you're going with Bray? I'm gonna go with Bray, unfortunately. Yeah, I have to go with Bray as well. This is I have a hard time insulting Bray Wyatt at this point or this or the storylines around it because I just haven't watched them. But the last I watched of Bray Wyatt, I found him to be losing interest by the week. 
no longer feeling innovative. I mean, it really it really started at the Hell in the Cell with Seth Rollins, and I think it's gone downhill since then. Uh, Daniel Bryan and you know re you know going back to his old look when he was younger and all this stuff I think does add some intrigue to things, but they want Bray Wyatt to hold that title into WrestleMania, I believe. And this this is just this is a holdover match. It also is a strap match. A strap match does not hurt Daniel Bryan to lose, uh, so it's not really going to derail him on whatever they might have plans for him at WrestleMania. So yeah, I think it's a it's it's a clear winner for Bray Wyatt. Um, one quick thing I like that I'm not really sure of: Are they going with true strap match uh, stipulations that you have to touch the four corners uh, uninterrupted? I mean, that's my assumption. It's a possibility they're not, but I, I just don't know the answer to that. Um, and then after that. Ooh. What if Randy Orton wins and challenges Bray Wyatt for the title? Uh, no, no. Then... The, the, please, no. Please. We, we, we had to watch that. We were at that Live. WrestleMania. It was miserable. Yes, it was. Um, and then this this has to be probably the hardest thing to pick. Like, I would really like it if next week you can pull up our our predictions from the last number of Royal Rumbles. And just see, like, who we picked. And, like, not necessarily records. I'm going to assume that we're 0 for everything. Except maybe last year that we all picked uh, Seth. Um, maybe even Becky. But, like, this can be a terribly hard thing to predict. So, with all of that in mind... I will add in, I'm not sure if you're aware, but as of today of the recording of this episode, our truth is officially back into the Royal Rumble. Just saying that. So I don't know if that's changed your opinion on who you're going to pick for the men's Royal Rumble. But <laughs> it, it hasn't changed my opinion on this. Unfortunate. Uh, th- there's just not a great answer to this. I mean, they could have Brock win this and then challenge Bray Wyatt. They could have Brock win this and sit out the. Re- I mean, there, there's that option, which may be intriguing, but not all that interesting. Those can th- those can happen simultaneously, apparently. And they could go with the Roman Reigns route and challenge Bray Wyatt and dethrone him and conquer the evil character. Uh, they could go with a surprise person from NXT to give him a massive push. They could go with someone like Daniel Bryan. I mean, there's so many options here. There's not a clear storyline. I am hesitant to say this, but be- with the lack of anyone that makes any sense, I'm just going to go with Drew McIntyre. They've okay. been giving him a the significant amount of TV time. A significant amount of TV time. They are whether you like it or not, developing his character, and they're they're putting him front and center. So I'm going to go with him, and I'm probably missing someone major on SmackDown because I'm not watching it, and maybe someone major from NXT, but that's where I'm going with. I mean... I am not planning on being right, by the way. There is no one from NXT that is announced in the Rumble right now. It is only Raw, only SmackDown. And looking at SmackDown people, Roman Reigns is probably the most intriguing person. 
Braun Strowman's in there, not going to win. Nakamura's in there, not going to win. Kofi, Big E, either one of those would be great, but that's not going to happen either. Uh, And then you got Elias, Corbin, Ziggler, Otis, and Tucker. Fuck SmackDown. Uh, Drew's a really great selection uh, because of everything that you said. AJ's there. You got Randy Orton there. You have Seth there. KO, Joe. Joe's probably not going to win, although it would be great in my opinion because I love Joe. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Brock because why the hell would they make such a weird storyline if they weren't just going to pull the trigger on it? Because I, I feel like WWE in 2020 now, and even in 2019, we're not about taking weird risks that they were almost always going to do with what was going to be the guaranteed thing. Um, and doing something like this seems like a guaranteed thing. Like, I'm fine with being wrong on it, but Brock's either going to be the last guy eliminated or the winner, in my opinion. And watch him be the first person eliminated now that I said that. <laughs> but uh, uh, So just so you know, uh, I just did look back at 2018 and 2019 because I have them on the, on the same sheet. Oh, and okay. before we go into... Uh, and by the way, I, I think that it's, it's a fine pick. And even though I, I don't know what they could possibly do with it, they I would not put it past them. We both picked the 2018 men's and women's uh, winners. Both of us picked them. Uh, Nakamura oh, really? and Asuka. Oh, okay. So we were <laughs> we were both two for two on that. And then last year, we both picked Charlotte to win the Royal Rumble. She Now, by the way, Becky wasn't even in it, so the yes, winner wasn't true. even announced for it. So that's, that's kind of a pass. And I picked Seth Rollins, and you picked Drew McIntyre. Okay. So I I am uh, I think fairly actually if you look at the Rumble over the last <laughs> 2 years if you take the Charlotte thing out because we didn't even know Becky was involved in the match I'm kind of 3 for 3 <laughs> and you're 2 for 3. <laughs> so we've actually been pretty good with the Royal Rumble the last 2 years uh, whether or not Touché. Yeah, but this year is a I think a different thing because I think we saw it coming in 2018. I think that there was a good reason to believe that Seth would win last year. So, and by the way, Charlotte Flair did end up being in that main event match (laughs) for that championship. (laughs) So we're, we're almost doubly right there because she won the other championship. Yeah. Um, and then as for the women's Royal rumble, we have five people announced for it. Uh, Natalia, Sarah Logan, Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte. How the fuck are we supposed to pick? (laughs) I picked first for for this one, so this is all up to you. I'll pick Ronda Rousey. (laughs) So you're picking Ronda to come back. Yeah. By the way, Ronda coming back is the best story possible. This is the match that people would love to see. This could main event the show when we don't really have another really, really good option. I have heard 
mixed mixed reports from she's actually very close to coming back or she's not at all interested in coming back anytime soon. I think that you I think you've made a good choice there because while it's a little bit of a wild card, it's also the thing that they should be betting on and if they are if they had their druthers, they probably would do. Mm-hmm. And it would be shocking and it would, you know, get people talking. The other options within the current roster of people that are are working these shows, uh, Shayna Baszler would be a really good option. That would be my second choice. Shayna would be a really, really good option. And Charlotte Flair. I mean, she's on TV every single week. We talked about the last week or so of how kind of uninteresting her character has been recently. But they're going to put Charlotte Flair on this show somewhere. And her winning this match while being kind of boring and predictable, boring and predictable. Randy Orton won it a couple of years, or, you know, a yeah. few years back and stuff. Like, I mean, the, the, this this does happen. So, man, I, I'm I'm debating between Charlotte and Ronda. I'm gonna just go with Charlotte Flair because it's different from yours. Okay. I I don't think that that's a bad choice at all. Uh, and and like you had alluded to earlier, uh, Shayna would be a good good choice as well because seeing a Becky Shayna one on one feud that doesn't involve Survivor Series sounds money to me too. Yeah. All right. So that there is those Royal Rumble predictions. And uh, did you just become Southern there for a second? <laughs> for, for for five seconds, I did. <laughs> that that there is a moral rumble prediction. <laughs> You're welcome. Um. So we'll see how that all plays out. We'll get our first two people to point at the sign. Yay, yay, whatever. Um. Eh, anything else that you want to add in before we head into this? No, I think this episode's been long enough. Yeah, I do too. Well, thanks everyone once again for joining us. Check out our social media. We're on Miss, uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Spots. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Miss Spots. And uh, subscribe to the show in uh, any fashion that you deem fit for us, uh, whether that be our website, MissBotsPodcast.com, or simply MissBots.com, or on any of the major streaming podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those where you can subscribe to the show and get brand new episodes every Friday free of charge. For Kevin, my name's Mike. Enjoy Royal Rumble. We'll catch you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.